listening to what are you reading uh this started a few years ago tim and i have been running buddies and neighbors and friends for a long time Mm -hmm. uh and we have been part of a couple book groups together and one uh one weeknight we were hanging out drinking beer in his driveway and uh (laughs) i think both wearing yeti shirts because that's where we get all our t-shirts our only t-shirts we own yeah Yeah, at this point from yeti trail runners (laughs) uh and tim goes hey man let's start a podcast um and where we just ask like people we really like what they're reading. And uh, so in that initial list of people we wanted to interview was tonight's guest. Yeah. Uh, the thing went through a whole run, a whole season at Atlanta Vintage Books and we weren't able to quite make it happen. But uh, tonight in the middle of COVID, we're all stuck <laughs> at home. So Jason Green felt obligated to get on the podcast. Now, Jason, uh, a personal hero of ours, a yeah. local, uh, started this local trail running group yeah. that's sort of now international, right, Jason? Oh my God! Yeah, who knew? Who knew? Right? Some <laughs> fucking boy. Oh, the Yeti Trail Runners, uh, <laughs> a wild, unruly bunch. Oh, I also want to say before we start our interview, before we go any further, this will probably not be safe for work. So first, don't listen to this out loud at work. The second thing we want to warn you about is that if you're a road runner and you listen to this, you're going to feel like a fucking loser. <laughs> it's going to be rough from here on out if you're a road runner. Because so Jason, what you started is like this, we're like the the Yeti trail runners are like, I would describe them as like the skateboarders or punk rockers of the running world. How did that happen? I, I feel like that's just my whole life since I was 12. Is <laughs> like whatever I've done, I've just made sure it was skateboard and punk rock, you know? So yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and that included little, you know, book clubs and gangs that I've had. So, you know, we, I just took that, everything I do even today I use that whole punk uh, DIY and just do it by my rules right and I don't I don't play by other I, I don't really give a shit what other people think you know and uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's just funny that you know it's just me that's how I like things is is yeah. unruly a little off center and you know uh, that's how I like it <laughs> yeah, yeah. I noticed, you know, I had, so we had, we wanted to talk to you. We have a sense, there's a certain, like, there are certain people we like, but we feel like they probably don't read. But when we were talking <laughs> about getting you on the podcast, uh, we both had a feeling you read. And then I was talking with you at a race, I think a few years ago, and you were like, oh yeah, I studied, uh, I studied <laughs> literature in college. Um, this is it. This is true. And um, <laughs> so... If, I- <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if like little Jason Green still had tattoos all over him. That's how I pictured you as a child. But anyway, when you were like a kid, was there a book that first captured your imagination and kind of led you in that direction? So I will tell you, um, I, I, this is going to sound like really cliche, but I, at an early age, liked books that made me feel uncomfortable inside. You know, and just uncomfortable. And I, I, I honestly think that's the point of, of, of literature, right? And the first one was uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> like, wow. um, 
it really just, it, it was amazing. And then I broke into my mom's little stash and I picked up this book called The Breakfast of Champions by Kurt Vonnegut. Open oh, up yeah. and it's like, here's a picture of what my asshole looks like. Yeah. You know, and I was just like immediately knew that I had found, uh, like, as a little kid in Appalachia, in the middle of a town of 10,000, you, you feel quite alone, especially when you're weird and off center. Like I said before, I was just kind of born, like, do I belong here? I don't feel like I belong in the middle of Appalachia. And I would read these books, and I, I, I connected with the characters, because a lot of them were like me, and they thought, you know, and this, where they've... They might not have been out of that little town, but they felt like, you know, by the time I was 16, I felt like I'd been all over the world through books, right? And uh, that that's kind of how I fell in love. Like, and I still today, you know, it's 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 hard with running, ultra running to leave zero time for shit, including reading books, you know, because you get home and then you're like, oh, I got four hours of running to do. And then you're just wiped. But I still like to to read books that may be uncomfortable and you know uh right now I'm reading the all the ugly and wonderful things and it's it's pretty interesting <laughs> so uh but and that's how I just fell into literature and also my parents read to me every night every night without you know the lion the witch and the wardrobe and sometimes it was just <laughs> I don't know if anyone else's parents just had stacks and stacks and stacks of nat geo magazines oh, but yeah. mine <laughs> but yeah. mine did yeah i think that's and, a i think that's a rule for parents of a certain age you yeah. just have to have like at least 30 <laughs> around <laughs> so so they would also like you know i'd be five six and they would read these uh articles to me uh, about these amazing places and then I became 13 and started looking for the boobies in them, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so. Literature but, you know, works in a lot of different ways. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. This is true. So, but, you know, I was very, this is, this is how I was exposed. And I love, I loved being transported to a different place and a place where people thought differently and they, yeah. they thought a lot like me and, you know, and I, I still live by Kurt Vonnegut's words. Like, we're just here to fart around. Like, that, I, I really live by that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but you, talked about, you talked about parents reading to their kids. And it's, uh, you know, it's Halloween. And I have a six-year-old who's, this is not related, I guess, to anything we're talking about. But I have a six-year-old who's really into, um, like, spooky stuff. Like he has a four-year-old brother and he tells him all these like really grisly ghost stories. And, um, yes. and he was like, we have this box set of raw doll books. And one of them is the witches. And I'm like, this is too scary for you. Like we'll read Charlie and the chocolate factory, but it's like <laughs> pre Halloween. He insists on the witches. Oh, wow. And I'm so like, that's okay. It's fine. It's a kid's book. And I like, I mean, I was secretly reading stuff like that when I was a kid. So I might as well just read it with him. But I started reading the witches and that like, there's a witch who like has a beautiful woman's mask, but takes it on and her face is like maggot infested and all this stuff. And he's telling his little four-year-old brother about it. <laughs> They've been like crying and screaming. Did you like, I don't know when, cause you have kids too, right? Did you read stuff with them? 
Oh, yeah, dude. And they would be like convinced they were going to get stuck in a fairy ring or something. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, <laughs> and, and made to dance forever. I felt like, it's like, what? That might be fun to dance forever. <laughs> so, but, you know, this is, this is it. And I mean, this is what you have to do, right? And this is, it's fun. It's, you know, um, I don't know. I, I've enjoyed it. And I love, you know, I loved all those times being yeah. read to sleep. And uh, it, it, it really it provided a gateway to build my imagination on always like, just dream, like dream, you know, and like, yeah. and, and just like, uh, it just provided me with a lot of like, reassurance that there was people like me in the world. You know, awesome. so and where where I didn't feel yeah. like I belonged anywhere. Yeah. So uh, it it was a big comfort for me. That's awesome. You mentioned uh, you know finding people that you know where you belong. I know you mentioned you talked about growing up in Appalachia, small town, and but also having like a book club. How was it difficult to find kind of like minded people that had similar interests? Was that an easy thing to do, or is that pretty tough to find in such a small, remote area? So, so I still have. Uh, three of my friend, like, here's the deal. Pick up a skateboard and you'll mm -hmm. find another skateboarder in your path. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, and, and they'll be just like you. So, so three of those friends, we are still really great friends. And wow. one of them lives in Atlanta and uh, one in Washington. So lifelong friendships and found people who thought like me and like, you know, acted like me. And it was, it was fun. It was a, uh, it was great to catch them. I think we kind of all met around 13, 14. So it was this awesome, you know, little, little skate gang we had going on, you know? So, and, and we also enjoyed like art books, you know, as we were very, you know, and we grew up right down the road from Virginia state theater. So wow. I, as a teenager, like I get to go see Gregory Peck do monologues. I mean, it was amazing for like six bucks, you know? So <laughs> it, it was, you know, and we would do stuff like that. It was very, it was very, very interesting, you know. So yeah, I don't know if I don't know if you remember telling me this, but you were telling me about these literary gangs you would form, and you said like people had like book names like Paper Cut and Hardback. You know, we <laughs> we, <laughs> we so, like I felt this, this is things you do when you're like a little a small boy in Appalachia, right? Like you just can't have a book club, right? Like you need a book gang. So, <laughs> and then, <laughs> so we were like, you know, all read the same book, but we had like cool names and, you know, and like, and I think at like one point, like, you know, by the time we we're like 16, 17, it was getting like really weird. Like my friend Armando would come up and be like, I just found this <laughs> Carlos Castaneda book in my parents but you know it's peyote just run through the you know and we would just be like oh my god you know like I think people we like towards the end we started like trying to one-up each other on how ridiculous you know like what the most ridiculous thing you could find you know mm -hmm. like and yeah. read make make yeah. everyone read in our book gang yes yeah <laughs> and, I'm and, and Carlos Castaneda like is weird shit like the weirdest yeah. shit you can you can read, right? Like, and when you're sick, think of I. And if you anyone listening has read that book or knows about that, yeah, think about when you're 16 reading that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, 
you know, I didn't know, like, was I scared of peyote or did I really want to take peyote? Like, it was a very <laughs> conflicting, like, so it was very hard for me. So, you know, um, well, I, I, what were they, the books of Don Juan? I can't quite remember, but, you know, so I, re I just remember, like, every time I'd see a crow fly, I was like, is it flying east or west? Because, like, that's how his life got, like, determined you sometimes wow. in the book <laughs> and i remember being like freaked out about that you know like every time i saw a crow fly so. yeah i'm trying to imagine if if you're like a literary gang and you have like a sharks and jets situation yeah. <laughs> who's the opposite like this tv watching sitcom gang and who wins that fight <laughs> sorry we didn't prepare you for that no 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 it was <laughs> It was the 80s, my friend. It was yeah. the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> so how did this move from like, you know, literary games? How did this, how did you go from that to, you know, what you do now, like trail running? It feels almost like si something similar, but like a, a running game <laughs> instead of a literary game. It feels, it feels very, that, it feels very connected. It's definitely not a cult though. Yeah. You want oh, yeah. that to be clear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I tell this everything. I have always just like, really done shit my way like so yeah. when i was skateboarding i would you know i tell this all the time my mom would drive me around the three little cities around our town it's called the tri-cities and i would put up flyers in like record stores of a skate contest i was holding right <laughs> and i would hold these skate contests behind the chevron this little gas station and like bring some curbs and stuff oh, and i would the guy to Chevron, the owner of Chevron, wouldn't even know, right? It was just all yeah. of a sudden a skate contest. Because you don't think about, like, other people when you're, like, 14 and 15. He would get so mad at my folks. And this is just how I, I've led life. And I, from book game to skateboard contest to 100-mile races, I, have, I do them exactly the same with the emphasis on fun. And I remember I told somebody – like uh, a few while ago, the skateboard contest are, are at the skateboard park. It wasn't really who did the most tricks or best tricks. Like some days it would just be the person that just learned to drop in. Like that would be the biggest person, raddest person in the park. And I love that about ultra running. Sometimes it's not really the first place person that gets the awards, right? Like it's the, it's the middle, you know, someone directly in the middle are dead fucking last whose day is the day, you know? And I yeah. love that about, and yeah. I'm just trying to catch, I think skateboarding and skateboard contests, you know, like, so the ones I used to go to like at Mount Trashmore in Virginia beach, my folks would drive me there. No sponsors, just like skaters skateboarding and there would be like a winner right? so, and and i i think growing up in that and like realizing like how much fun it was and how much fun it was to be a part of something that was bigger than me i like so when i started running trail running these groups were very archaic and like way of thinking and they had like boards and people were, had president names and shit and that was like way away from what i wanted and would be a part of so i just started my own thing and i started it just like i'd done everything else like on feel and and who i wanted to attract you know yeah but look and and that was uh that's what i believe in and i, I believe in a place for 
all people to to be and to have fun and and to to do rad shit at the end of the day, right? So, <laughs> and 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 because I'm gonna tell you quite frankly, like the traditional run clubs, I I I really felt like I didn't belong to them, and they did not do anything to make me feel like I belonged. So. It's a very hard place to be, and I would have quit yeah. running if yeah. I wouldn't have started Yeti Trail Runners. Yeah. So, and That's and and I think about all the people who are in there, who maybe a single mom, uh, two kids who don't get to train that much, you know, like like all of these individuals with different stories. Like I wanted a place for them, fast, slow, whatever, right? You know, and that's what I really wanted and that's what that's what we fucking got right and yeah. you know it, it's hard to keep the ship on on course these days uh much harder than before mm-hmm. you know and but i still keep those core values uh and i have zero tolerance for anyone that doesn't believe in those core values right yeah. so yeah um yeah we yeah i think we were both so we were both kind of really excited about yeti trail runners and we're yeah. kind of hoping like we're kind of hoping like because i think like in books like you think of literary communities right and it's there's there's a kind of feeling of like of like a certain like npr voice asking <laughs> <Yeah>. questions <laughs> yes. about how did you feel about the <laughs> <laughs> yes and we were like we kind of want to have a podcast like we had this idea, I can't do it because I work in ministry. <laughs> I'm a children's minister, actually. We had Very this idea good. of printing t-shirts that say, fuck off, I'm reading in really big letters. <laughs> how, many people, how many people who ride trains would love to have, you know, and oh, just yeah. want to be left alone to read some Vonnegut? Yeah. I'm like, I'm just now learning that an asterisk can also be an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is this is the the beauty. I would buy one of those shirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I so yeah. one. I think it was the snake bite or the nightmare. I was at a Yeti race and I was asking you. We were kind of talking about the podcast a little ahead of time. And I'm actually in person. I'm pretty shy, so I was like, I'm always kind of really nervous in the pre-race. You know, everyone knows everyone, and they're all hanging out. And but anyway, I started talking to you. And I was like, oh, what are your favorite running books? And I got this huge, like, eye roll. And I can't remember if you said the word bullshit or if that was just what your face was saying. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I, you will not find a fucking running book in my library. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us why. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a simplistic act. Like, what, what else do you need to know about it, right? Like, I, I think people <laughs> overthink it. Like, it's it's like uh, the only the only skateboard books that should exist are those about the culture of skateboarding or the culture mm-hmm. of surfing, right? You know what I mean? Like, I I I don't know. Like, I I I don't think I could get into running books with diagrams of what you should be doing and eating every week. Yeah, <laughs> just run, just run, have fun. I mean, dude, Jesus. I mean, I I don't. I don't, I really think the book, I, I'm not going to waste my time, valuable time reading a, a, a shot in the dark book about running, right? Like yeah. there's, it's, it's, 
Uh, here's how, if you want to learn to run ultras, like hook up with the Yeti trail runners, go out with people and they will provide, you know, the tutelage, you know, get a mentor for everything yeah. you do in life. If you're whitewater boating, like I spent a lot of time whitewater boating, like in my yeah. teens and twenties, like steep creeks. Yeah. You have a mentor. If you decide to rock climb, have a mentor. Like, I started doing all the alpine pursuits. Guess what? I, like, hook up with people who've done a bunch of them. And, right, they mentor you. I'm, I'm not at home reading books. Like, yeah. a, a, reading a fucking book about your feet up on a loose ledge, like, yeah. that don't help you when you're on a fucking loose ledge. But, like, <laughs> you know, so, you know, like, I, I just don't like them, you know. Yeah. It's to me it even falls in the category of someone that likes to talk about running when you're running. Like that yeah. eats my ass up more than anything. Like you know <laughs> what I mean? You know, do, you, do you think we're do you think we're running nine and a half minute miles? I don't care. Like, like, you know, like you know, and you know, people tell me about how they train during a race. I'm like, ah, this is a race, have fun. Yeah. So <laughs> just that, that's just me. And and not 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 to say anything bad. I mean, actually, how I got into running was an article, not about about a man who ran 50 miles in the woods. It was in like uh, the New York Times or something, like in my doctor's oh. office, and that's how I found running. Right, but it wasn't mm -hmm. like it was. Just, it was about more of the of someone running long distance. It wasn't yeah. like a book about running, you know. So yeah. Mm -hmm. I think and, something just has to fire your imagination to know that it's people do this though. I think. I I agree. I agree. I think if I pick up a book about running, I wouldn't be running. You know, like <laughs> if I if I picked up a book like The Marathon Man by Dean Carnassus, I could you that's the kind of book that could light the fire inside of you, right? Yeah. yeah. And and I think that's you know, I think there's a lot like embellished in there but it, like mm -hmm. you know i run a 50k and it, to hear me tell it i went through hell and back too right so there's no <laughs> there's no like telling it so but i i think those stories about the in the culture of ultra running should exist for sure you know yeah they're like they're telling you to stories. run yeah <laughs> that to tell you need to be running 10 miles on tuesday and doing hot yoga on fucking thursday bullshit you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I remember, so one of the books I did read earlier on was I read that Born to Run book. And then I didn't have a mentor and I wasn't aware of the local trail running culture. I got this like really awful pair of Merrill shoes and went to Stone Mountain and... I ran like a mile from the grist mill and this is an Atlanta podcast. So everyone's going to be like, yeah. Oh yeah, the grist mill, man. Yeah. <laughs> but I ran like a mile from the grist mill and then I fell and I scraped my legs up. I had blood all over my legs. So like I limp a mile back to my car and then I come out and I see these guys are kind of hanging out like near the parking lot. And I was like, Oh, I better act like I was running. So this looks cool. <laughs> So like I start jogging by and I heard one of them to say to the other guy, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that was but, actually you know, when I was sold on it. <laughs> you know, no matter how like old you get, like you, I will still do bullshit like that too. Try to be walking <laughs> stuff off, you know. Like, oh, yeah. I, 
I told someone I was having a conversation the other day and like I used to collect like punk rock albums, right? Yeah. And I was probably like 14 and there was like a record bar in my mall. And there was this like really cute, only like weirdo punk girl there. And I would come in and like ask for the most obscure shit. Like shit I didn't even like. The most like vampire, like black metal <laughs> stuff you've ever heard of. You know what I mean? Just to impress this girl. And I I I still today have this collection of like twenty five records where I was trying to impress her that I've never ever listened to. <laughs> I look at I look at that section and it's like, man, I didn't even get a phone number. Yeah. yeah. That's an expensive first date. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh god that's amazing <laughs> oh man so uh, do you have any like is there anything i know you mentioned it's tougher now to read is there anything like you're you're kind of reading now or you've read recently that you really really enjoyed all the wild and wonderful things i am oh, in yeah, the middle mean. of right now uh all, all the ugly and wonderful things sorry uh, it it is awesome and it's a you know with the dynamic going on now with like, uh, you know, opioid use and drug abuse, mm -hmm. like you, this really kind of, I just read this. Uh, mm -hmm. And like I said, it's been a long time since a book has made me feel uncomfortable and, and it really, it, it's, it's very good. And it, it kind of made me more sensitive to the opioid epidemic and people inside of it and, you, you know, have more, feelings and be sensitive and aware to their mm. needs you know so yeah very strange yeah but i enjoy i have been i'm passing my time until this david sedaris new book rolls into my doorstep in november 3rd or whenever so uh, yeah, awesome. <laughs> so that you know to me that's still like i put uh, me talk pretty one day in, in the top 10 of books I've read, mm. you know, so yeah. I, I, I don't think I've ever laughed so hard, you know, yeah. like, yeah. so. Yeah, and he, he has, I feel like he has good collections and ones that are a little weaker, but uh, I think like every <laughs> Christmas I have to hear the Santa Land oh, yeah. <laughs> diaries and all that, like the hearing him read it too is gold. My, my favorite is he came to the Fox, right? And I have been a like a fan listen to shit. I've been like a fanboy for like a long time. And like even like I go see him and be like fifteen people like in Knoxville, Tennessee, right? Mm -hmm. And so as like publicists, like all like always get the books pre and they all he always signs them something very weird and like targeted <laughs> towards Appalachian towards me. Like I have this book, it's like, you know, when life gets your gets you down, catch yourself some motherfucking fish. But anyway, <laughs> the, the publicist sent me this, like, you know, ticket to come to the Fox. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. You know what I mean? Uh, but my favorite thing was, it's like, I would just like, you know, like, I don't know what I was doing, but I just looked like a hot mess, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, more than usual. How about that? Like, you know, I was like... <laughs> I felt like I was my dad when my dad would come pick me up from school early. Like the man wore normal clothes his whole life, but when he had to come to school to pick me up, he'd come up with like cut off jeans with the pockets hanging below them. You know what I mean? I like, fuck. like I felt like this is just to embarrass me, but I felt like I looked like that because when I walked in, like the 
no one could like so anyway they gave me like middle seat front row like right front and center right oh, this free man. ticket and like i they checked my ticket at least five times They're like this man cannot be here you know what i mean like everybody was like <laughs> and like ties or something i'm like do they know what we're getting ready for Why are these people in suits and ties you know so <laughs> and, and my favorite was it's like you know it's really funny because this is also i think i identify with him because you know his family moved to north carolina like appalachia mm. right like this small yeah. town and he didn't quite fit in and my my favorite was he during this during this thing of the fox he was like hey i bought a home on like the coast of north carolina and i guess people i didn't know this named beach homes did you know people named beach homes no, no. Uh, no idea <laughs> but that's not my that's not my crowd <laughs> so, no, same i didn't either so anyway, there's like a walkway through the middle of the house, right? So he named his house the C section, S C S E section. And so it's like, and the house came with a boat. So we had, you know, since our boat, we had to rename the boat. And my favorite was, and I just died. He named the boat Roe versus Wave. <laughs> he, he said, he That's said, perfect. whatever. Whenever they're throwing, whenever they're throwing bait over the side of the fish, people look at them very strange. <laughs> <laughs> so, but oh, I, I, I love him. I, I like, I love, I like his stories captivate me about you know someone being different and growing yeah. up in the South, right? Like, so yeah. they're, they're very captivating. And also, he has this brother who just took, like right to the south and all the southern things right so oh, wow. <laughs> yeah so i grew up i had a sort of similar i grew up in the philippines my parents were christian missionaries there and they were like in the in the um in the like different uh boarding homes or places where like missionaries can be housed while they're going out to the tribe or city or village or wherever where they're working um, there were always like book collections mm. there. And I don't, I think I remember like Mark Twain was in, in the early ones and like feeling like that kind of like, yeah, the kid drifting down the river and feeling like he doesn't belong anywhere. They try to land. <laughs> that's, that's for, so were you were raised by Christian missionaries, right? And you yeah. landed at the starting line of a Yeti trail runner race. That's pretty interesting to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and we have similar, you know, my grandfather was a missionary and went to Africa in the fifties oh, wow. during apartheid. And, uh, so, you know, uh, it's very, uh, interesting there. So, oh, yeah. man. well, you're, so are you living on the West coast now? Yeah, I'm out here for a while. Yes, I love okay. the mountains, so I'm enjoying it. It's nice. Yeah, and I I learned to ski last year, so this makes things fun to go down oh, mountains yeah. on ski to climb a mountain and ski down it. It's always rad, right? So yeah, oh, yeah. and the, your Instagram feed has inspired a lot of envy, feelings of envy. I just want to <laughs> confess that. It's so, it's yeah, it's so cool. And you know, here we have, and you were doing, you were doing Stone Mountain. You were doing Stone Mountain a bunch of times. Was it once a week or a few times a week for a while? Oh, yeah. I tell people I have like, I think my data says I have like 42 different routes to the summit. 
so, so not all them are, sanctioned. <laughs> so, oh, Jesus. Some of, some of them I'd be like, oh, if I, I can't, like some of them literally like either you're all in or you slide to your death. You know, yeah. Like, right. So, so <laughs> I, I think Stone Mountain, like as someone who loves like Alpine, like, you know, cross section between like mountain summits, I think Stone Mountain is a great place to kind of break in. And, and I encourage you to get off the trail and try some different routes up. Get some yeah. tacky shoes, you know, running shoes that will kind of stick to the rock. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm telling you, like, I, you, you can really do – I love it there. I think Stone Mountain is a true gem in Atlanta. And uh, I, 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 I honestly, even when I was just back running that mountain a couple weeks ago in September, and I have just as much fun there as I do anywhere else in the world I've been. Like, I get the same pleasure of like a summit, like creating my own route, you know, Yeah. like you can make it hard as you want to be. Like sometimes I'm hanging on by three fingers, but you know, still moving forward. That's why, you know, so I love it. (laughs) So, yeah. So I encourage people to go out there and and find a route up and, and, you know, keep pushing it. Yeah. Well, in the era, I think too, in the era of COVID, you've got to like, you've got to have this sense of like, what's really, uh, what really brings you joy that's close to home. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, yeah, yeah. It's been, I've, did, I've done a lot of miles at Stone Mountain. I like going around it. I like going up and down it. I see deer and every, like all the, all the animals there are like super used to people. So yes. Yes. They're like, they're I, like snakes. They're like, what's up, dude? <laughs> oh, I'm running by. <laughs> I actually love going around it a lot too i think that is so beautiful we were just talking about the grist mill i always love running by that and along that little waterway yeah behind the mill is very beautiful i i think and it's too bad that you can't have a race there you know yeah Yeah. i'd want to run up it (laughs) and and i i tell people all the time it uh like it is the most diverse mountain as far as people that i've ever been on in my lifetime you know, I, I meet such interesting people. Uh, you know, uh, I met this, I remember like two years ago, I met this awesome guy, Mr. Masal, that owns this Ethiopian restaurant and like just hit it off. I, I just love the diversity of Stone Mountain in a way. And I wish we could find out what makes it so and like other outdoor pursuits, like make them more diverse, you know? So, and, and you know, but it's a beautiful to see. I and you know, <laughs> I wish they'd take down that fucking Confederate flag. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Jesus Christ, <laughs> it's a no-brainer. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and it's. I can't tell if it's a state park or if it's privately owned. Like I can't get a good finger on what's happening with what it is really. You know. Yeah, well, I heard the management company now is like, they've had, you know, because they had, there's the like, uh, they've always had like white supremacist rallies there. Yeah. Um, but recently, this group of like an armed black militia called the Not Fucking Around Coalition <laughs> also did like, without getting permission, they did an armed march there. And, and all of a sudden, you know, like no one's upset when all the armed pro-Confederate <laughs> people are having rallies yeah. there all of a sudden they're like, oh, this is not a 
you know. So I don't know what's going to happen to the park, but I hope there's some movement around changing it. Yeah. So, so I, I will tell you, and this is a real honest thing, is, you know, I go to the summit different ways, right? And I see people's faces at the summit and I see them halfway. But I'd be damned if I don't see them at the start, starting underneath of those flags, and you can see just a look of like sadness on them. Yeah. And, and, and they just need to be taken down. And, and if, if that's not enough, like what I just said for them to take it down, then I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I really wish, you know, I could show people really what those flags flying at the start of the mountain really uh, do to, to individuals coming up that mountain, you know? So, and like I said, I get up to the summit a different way and I see people up there uh, ecstatic. They made the top of it, which yeah. is awesome, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I see them halfway smiling in the pain cave, right? Yeah. yeah but at the, at the start, they look disappointed and sad. And that's, and that really, I, I'm going to tell you, it hurts me. It hurts, hurts me inside, you know? And yeah, yeah. I, I, I really hope that in the next, next months or years we we can change all that you know so yeah. totally agreed yeah. yeah well what other than stone mountain so you're living on the west Coast. let's pretend we're not shut down because of covid or think, <laughs> let's pretend everything's as it used to be is there anything you miss about atlanta oh man you know what i miss diversity and food oh, right man. jesus <laughs> i i think like i think uh uh, that and I, I really miss diversity of people and mm. I just like I I and I do miss like just running the Appalachian Trail up in North Georgia seeing those big blue mountains pop up is, is beautiful to me so and yeah. so yeah. but I, I what I do is miss is like there is a certain like you know people that live in Atlanta like you like it's just a certain awesome humor we have between all of each other, you know, with each other. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, I miss that quite a bit, and, yeah. uh, you know, so, and, and I miss, you know, I, I feel like people are more open in Atlanta, like I said, and, but really at the end of the day, like, man, the food choices in Atlanta are 10, right? Like, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. We live on Buford highway. So like, oh, like man, I'm in heaven. food's so good yeah. and it's priced. <laughs> You know, it's priced for people from those places where that food is <laughs> originated. I, so, <laughs> I, like a month ago, I was like, "Man, I'm really craving a bond me," and they're like, "Like somebody's like, oh, you go to this great bond me place." And I went, and I was like, "What? The, what am I eating here? This is not a <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, when you, I feel like when you've had like Lee's Bakery and places like you oh, go, yeah, like man. it's a, it's over, right? For yeah, everybody. oh yeah. I had, yeah, but yeah. Oh, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> and, and I just, it, like, I just mix, like, all the cultural, like, you know, East Atlanta punk rock kids and all, you know, like, everybody. Like, I miss, I miss that, like, a lot. I miss just, you know, the culture of the city, like, mm. punk, like, I, I feel like in, in Atlanta proper, like, everyone else is the hip-hop, punk rock, you, you know what I mean? Like, it's mm. everything. A little bit of bluegrass. Like, yeah. it's, that's what's amazing to me is you like it's hard to to pigeonhole someone from Atlanta, right? Like into yeah. one category. Yeah, 
I feel sure. I feel like so I lived in Chicago before Atlanta, and it was like Chicago is interesting for like the it's like really neatly kind of divided up into neighborhood by types of people, and when we moved to the Buford Highway area. I was like, man, like everyone's living together here. <laughs> it's like really amazing. <laughs> and That's awesome. I had, yeah, I had this experience. So I'm, I don't know if people can tell over the airwaves. I'm white. <laughs> I'm a white guy. Um, in Chicago, it was just like people didn't talk to people of other races or like it was just such a strange feeling. So I got to Atlanta and I had this impression of it because of the history of the South and the Deep South, you know. Um, but actually the first thing I wanted to do when I got back was go up Stone Mountain. So I was going up Stone Mountain and just started, started like a friendly chat with some black people who were also going up the mountain. And I was like, it, it just felt so different in Atlanta. Like people are used to being together in it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. At least I, anecdotal. I, I, yeah, I can't agree more with that statement for sure. And that's like I said, that's what I really miss, you know. Mm. So, I, um, you know, I that's what I really, really miss that. And uh, people, you know, uh, you know, it's just I, I love Atlanta. I think it's a great city. Like I, I said, yeah, you know, slow down the the inner city gentrification and and yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I feel, you know, but other than that, we're, we're, I think pretty good, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it, it's been awesome talking to you. Yeah. Uh, thank what, you guys. Yeah. So right now in Atlanta and this will air later, but right now, like the power's out <laughs> in like a huge ring around this apartment complex, yeah. but yeah. somehow <laughs> The trail running or book gods knew that we were going to talk to you tonight. Preserved the, the electricity in this complex. And I'm pretty sure the only reason we're keeping you on the line this long is we're pretty sure God's going to turn it off after we're done talking to you. <laughs> this, this, is, this is what you get, I guess, when you talk to two kids that families were missionaries. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, Jason, thanks. Much, man. Uh, thank you guys. I'll see you soon. All right, okay. man. Later. Bye bye.